Chapter 3 Alan and Holt watched as Roman was injected with the concoction of liquid just a few minutes prior. Presently, Roman sat there motionless, still bound in the straitjacket with a blood-stained shoulder. No wound to be found. Healed. How much time do we have left? Holt questioned. Seven minutes, thirty seconds, Alan replied. Good. Then he should be waking up very soon. Oh, what I would give to be him right now. To feel that feeling again and again. Phew, what a rush. Holt shivered with delight as he thought about his previous experience. Glued to the monitor, the two conspirators watched as if Roman was a ticking time bomb, ready to explode at any second. Just as Alan glanced down to itch his leg, a white blast of light burst through Roman's chest, causing his whole body to arch forward, torso out, writhing in pain. At this same moment, a shockwave released from Roman's body sped through the warehouse, splintering the glass and throwing the lady in white and her thugs to the ground. Black. Static. Now this time, the conspirators were cut off from all communications. The blast blew out all camera feed, leaving Alan and his boss in the dark. Get it back! Get it back now! Screamed Holt, leaping out of his chair. I can't. The blast seemed to destroy all our feed, replied Alan. What did we just watch? I've never seen anything like that, exclaimed Alan, aghast at what took place. Was he supposed to do that? No, not at all, Holt replied. I don't know what happened. We need to get eyes in there. Our Bravo team should be there by now. They were only three blocks away. Check their status. Alan made a quick phone call, placing it on video chat. The two men stared into the screen as a chest camera showed the first-person view of Bravo team making entry. Sirens. Bravo lead, you have a minute and a half before the police will be there. Hurry up and show us what you got, Alan directed. Yes, sir. The screen showed the room where Ruman sat just moments ago. The wooden chair lay splintered to pieces next to the straitjacket, now torn in two. Ripped like a piece of paper. Sarah lay face down on the ground, still unconscious from the blast. Get her out of there, screamed Holt. Thirty seconds until, but before Alan could even finish, Bravo team, Sarah, and all traces of what had happened at this warehouse had vanished into the night with only a couple of key items left to be found. Roman, however, had vanished. The sirens felt distant upon his ears as Roman dashed away from the warehouse, trying to put distance between him and his captors. Maybe I'm running the wrong way. Don't I need to be running towards the sirens? Towards my brothers in blue, but his legs kept running unwavering in their momentum. Just moments ago, Roman awoke from his dream to the sensation of fire hurled by a thousand nails tearing through his chest, awake and away from Taka, awake and away from the lady in white, Sarah. As he was sprinting, Roman glanced at his blood-stained shoulder, pausing for a few seconds to see if there was still a wound. Peeling his shirt down, Roman found the bullet hole in his shirt, but what laid underneath rested as pure, unadulterated skin. No marks, no scars, just as if it had never happened. Was it real? Did I really experience what I had just experienced? I know I was shot, but my shoulder says otherwise. How can I heal within minutes? Instantly, Roman slammed to the ground, overcome with a fierce burning throughout his body. A rage unlike anything he'd ever experienced. Trying to ease the burning aside, Roman cradled his head and curled in a ball upon the hot pavement. Flashes of every color flew through his mind's eyes, Battle drums beat through his ears again as he began a war brought upon by an unforeseen force. Ah! Something is very wrong. Make it stop! Immediately as it began, it ended just as quick. Roman scanned the area to try and remember where he was. Forward. I have to keep moving forward. I have to get to a phone. With nothing but his undershirt, pants, and shoes, Roman had zero resources. 
How long was I in there? Dispatch has probably been calling me for hours. There at the corner of Driftwood and Sunshine Street sat a payphone, one of the four left in the entire city. Frantically, the veteran cop dialed the number of his captain on shift. Heath was his name, Captain Heath. Always getting along, Roman and Captain Heath had a good and long-standing relationship. Some might even call them friends. Three rings sounded through the earpiece. Captain Heath, came the answer. Hey, Captain, it's Roman. Roman, shouted Heath, then quickly adjusted to a whisper. Where the hell have you been? And what did you get yourself into? I'm here in a warehouse at your last known location with a body of a man. Your gear was found stashed not far from the deceased location. A body? Roman asked, incredulous. Captain, I was ambushed at that warehouse. Comms went down and I got shot then injected with some weird fluid. Long story short, I got out, and I don't know how, and the first thing I did was call you. I'm not far from you. Let me come back and explain. No, absolutely not. Do not come back. Um, why? You sound different. Roman, the body was shot in the head with a 9mm handgun. Your gun was found at the scene, and your prints are everywhere. We're still waiting on the ballistic report to confirm. There are units already heading to your house, and the Texas State Troopers are now handling the case due to the sensitive nature of the situation. Heath laid it out all on the line for Roman, slowly getting more and more remorseful the longer he spoke. Glancing at his watch that was no longer there, Roman replied, Cap, what time is it? 2.49. Why? It has only been about 45 minutes since my last call. How can there be all this evidence and conclusions in such a short amount of time? There's no way a ballistics report can already be sent off, and there's no way the troopers have enough to go on to have already taken over the investigation into my disappearance and that other guy's murder there was a long pause on the other end of the line cap you there asked the new fugitive yeah i'm here i didn't realize your last call was such a short time ago something definitely isn't adding up however you're a fugitive for a while now until we get this sorted out i trust you roman i know you wouldn't do this my advice for now is to regroup and figure out what needs to be done would you like me to contact isabella no she probably needs to hear it all from me anyways. In person, Roman replied. Alrighty, I'll see what I can find out on my end. Good luck. Click. Roman slammed the receiver down upon the silver lip of the telephone holder, taking a di big deep breath and trying to process the newfound facts. With a new mindset originating in his fugitive status, Roman realized he was now on the other side of the law. He was no longer the chaser, but rather the chased. Slipping away from the telephone booth, he glanced to either side before darting around the corner, making his way south to his home, knowing full well his home would be under surveillance. Though this was not a huge deterrent due to the many contingency plans Roman and Isabel had already spoken of, just in case this category of, of issue ever came into play. As he traversed his jungle city obstacles, Roman pondered the very first time he and Isabella spoke about this difficult topic. Eight years prior. I now pronounce you man and wife. You may kiss the bride, said the minister. Roman thought he'd never hear those words. Finally, Isabella was his. She was his bride, his wife. He would do anything to keep her safe. To love her was the greatest adventure Roman could ever experience. She stood there, gazing into the window of his soul with every fiber of her being, daring him to move. One hand wrapped around her waist while the other grabbed her neck and pulled her forward. Their lips met. The aroma of her love emanating from her breath. Nothing else mattered. The world was his, theirs. This moment would be stamped upon his memory forever. 
The only thing that awakened the happy couple's sweet moment was the roar of applause and cheers from their friends and family. Ladies and gentlemen, by the power vested in me by God in this great state of Texas, I now give you Mr. and Mrs. Roman and Isabella Bridge. A deafening applause erupted. Two days went by and their honeymoon began. Caribbean all the way, baby, said the joyous Roman, driving their F-250 to the Gulf. I can't wait to see you in all those bikinis on the beach. Something about you in teeny-weeny bikinis on the white sand beaches always gets me. <laughs> it may or may not be a fetish of mine. A smile and a wink from the groom. Oh, yeah? Seems like you might get more than you barking for, said Isabella with a winked reply. <laughs> I'll have to hold you to that. Another day went by and the gleeful couple lay lounging upon the white sand beaches, beaches of the Bahamas, Roman hesitating but knowing the necessity of the topic that needed to be discussed. Hey, hun, there's uh, something that I've been needing to talk to you about. Nothing crazy, but it's something I don't really want to wait any longer to speak with you about. I think I can handle it, babe. Go for it, replied Isabella, turning towards him while still sitting on the towel, knees pulled up to her chest. Being a cop has given me certain insights into situations most people may not know about, meaning things may not ever be as they always seem. Perception is everything in this business. Knowing that, I've written out three different situations and how we should respond if those situations ever did occur. I hope to God that they never occur, but if they do, it would make me feel a whole lot better if we knew what to do. Isabella smiled and replied, Are you talking about if something ever happened to one of us? Like a framing, kidnapping for ransom, or disappearance? because I, too, have written some ideas if these situations ever did occur. I know I'm still in med school, but a future neuroscientist likes to plan. <laughs> I'm a planner. Shocked and relieved, Roman sighed. You have no idea how much weight has just been lifted off my shoulders. When we get back from our honeymoon, let's collaborate and make a foolproof plan for every possible scenario. I've already made some go-bags, and we can add to them as we see fit. The conversation was sealed with a kiss, and the two continued their blissful honeymoon in peace present day. Roman jogged south three miles to Joe's auto body and repair, where his project car lay half completed, still reminiscing about the past. A 1963 red Camaro sat half painted on blocks with the engine suspended with a winch, resting inside the off-white shack of a mechanic's shop. This car survived as his baby. The owner of the aged establishment, Joe, was a family friend of Roman, giving him a key to the front door whenever Roman wanted to come work on it, knowing he worked nights. What Joe didn't know was this car was not just a project car. It was, at this moment, his lifeline. With the key inserted into the front garage door, Roman turned the hinge and lifted the heavy contraption up and over, revealing his baby that lay just under a greasy tarp. The creak and scratch of the door rang through the neighborhood. Wincing at the built-in alarm, Roman quickly yanked the door down behind him, being careful not to let it slam. Stepping towards the passenger door, he opened it with caution, kneeling down on one knee. He loosened four different screws attaching the inside door cover to the frame, popping off the section and setting it down. Inside was one of the many go-bags he and Isabella had placed around the city for just such an occasion. Cash, clothes, a forty caliber Smith & Wesson, a couple of phones, and maps were just a few of the items Roman couldn't go without. Five minutes passed and Roman was changed and ready for the next step of his new journey. He had to contact Isabella. Going to the house remained a dangerous idea, but he sat down, trying to think. I'll just need to call her. Decisively, Roman reached into his right jacket pocket, still smelling of oil and gas from the garage, pulled out one of the phones and dialed his home. It's pushing 5 a.m., so everyone else should be gone by now, but I'll use our code just in case. They've probably already told her I'm a dangerous criminal. 
Roman cringed at the thought of all these lies being spread about him, especially to his wife. She needed to know the truth. But what is the truth anymore? Roman thought. With the phone to his ear, he could hear the familiar tone ringing to his home. Three rings, then six rings. Maybe she went to sleep. He hung up and dialed again. Two rings. Hello? Hello? Came a frantic answer. Realizing it was Isabella on the other line, Roman began their code conversation. Mike's Pizza, your order will be here shortly. I just wanted to clarify that you wanted mushrooms, sausage, and pepperoni on this pizza, correct? Uh, no, all I wanted was pepperoni, please, came her reply. Click. Roman's adrenal glands kicked into full gear as he immediately turned the phone off, flipped the phone around, and yanked out the battery and SIM card, snatched up the go bag, and sprinted towards the back door. Before leaving his cover, he peeked out the door to see if anyone was waiting for him to step out. The inky blackness of the still morning was beginning to fade away and give rise to dawn, giving Roman a slight glimmer of hope. It's the little things. Years ago, when Isabella and Roman spoke of what the code ought to be, they decided that getting all three toppings meant it was clear. Getting only mushrooms meant they just couldn't talk at that moment, while selecting only sausage meant they were to meet at their predetermined location. However, choosing only pepperoni meant that not only was it unsafe to talk, but also that the other needed to move locations immediately. Peering from the back door of the shop, Roman briskly walked to the other end of the street, hung a right, darted down one of the back alleys, and emerged three blocks over on Washington Street, casually walking south. At this point, blending in was everything, and though he was never a fan of cigarettes for himself, he knew taking the edge off might help him think, as well as blend in. As you walk through the awakening neighborhoods, cigarette in hand, all preparing for another day in the world, Roman noticed everything felt different, much different almost as if his sight was changing with every step he took. Everything seemed clearer, cleaner, like seeing color for the first time in his life, like taking his first breath. Though he was never colorblind, things were definitely changing, becoming richer, deeper. <laughs>